0: Um, Good morning and welcome to All Souls Unitarian Universalist Church. My name is Susan Caldwell and I am the Director of Religious Education um, here. I've been a part of this church since 1995 and a Unitarian Universalist since 1980. Whatever your age, ability, origin, gender, race, identity, orientation, or background, if you want to worship with us, you are welcome. We have found here that diversity of belief and opinion add depth to our experience of community, and we have found that we need not think alike to love alike. We are united, therefore, not by creed, but by a covenant to support each other on the spiritual journey and to work together for a better world. If you're visiting for the first time, we ask that you fill out one of the blue visitor cards in the pew pocket in front of you and place it in the offering basket when it comes around. Our minister is the Reverend Barbara Jarrell and she is with us this morning, and she'll be, um, will be singing some of her original music and, and doing some other things, and um, both of us are available if you would like to talk with us more about um, Unitarian Universalism or anything else, really. Our contact information is in the order of service. We encourage you to stay after the service. Today, we always have a, a social time after the service, but today it's kind of special. We have an all-ages holiday party. We do have, um, there were supposed to be trays. they are actually box lunches coming from Jason's deli. And, um, and so we hope you'll stay and hang out with us. And uh, if you want to sit down and do a craft with a kid or for just for yourself, that would be a wonderful thing. It's not required. I know some people are craft-averse, and that's okay, too. We, 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 I should have added that to the list of people that we welcome. Um, but, uh, but I hope that you'll stay and just um, enjoy. And you can also play dreidel. So, you know, lots of good stuff. an hour in the mystery of a season of cold and darkness, centuries before our own. Humans lit their fires and waited for the return of the light. Waiting, wondering, lighting fires in the darkness, staying close, making light and warmth for each other. Here, at the turn of the year, here in this season of this year, it may be easy to feel as if the light may never return. It is here and now more than ever that we need to return to our stories and our rituals, to the lengthening days, to light burning longer and brighter than possible, to the light and hope of a child born in lowly surroundings who can still be born in us.
1: This morning, and every time we are together, we celebrate our first principle. We covenant to affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every person. This morning, and every time we're together, we celebrate our first source, direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder, affirmed in all cultures, which moves us to the renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces which create and uphold life. In this season of our church year, we honor our fourth source, Jewish and Christian teachings which call to us to respond to God's love by loving our neighbors as ourselves. And our third principle, acceptance of one another, and encouragement to spiritual growth in our congregations. The candles already lighted are the principles and sources we have previously highlighted. A copy of our seven principles and six sources is available in the foyer.
0: How many of you love the Christmas carol "O Holy Night"? The, yeah, uh, I it, it seems to be a pretty uh, a pretty general sentiment. That a lot of people will say that that's their favorite. How many of you that's your favorite? It, it doesn't yeah, it doesn't have to be. Either. That's another thing on that list of people we welcome. But I don't know about you, but until very recently, I knew nothing about its origins, much less that parts of its origins are Unitarian. Which you know, you think we would have done, we are usually so good at claiming, you know, all the Unitarians. But uh, I at least had missed this one, and I'm thankful to Marianne Cummings, who we started talking about it in choir, and she started looking up all these things on the phone, and, and, and it's a wonderful story. The carol began its life as a poem written by a wine merchant and poet named Philippe Capot. Um, he lived in the city of roque France, and I may be butchering some of these pronunciations. But although Capot was not a religious man, he wrote the poem in 1843 at the request of the parish priest, who was a friend, um, in celebration of the newly renovated organ in the church. He wrote the poem on a really hard, bumpy carriage ride to Paris. He imagined himself on the rocky and difficult journey to Bethlehem to see the Christ child. A few years later, in 1847, he requested that his friend, Adolf Adam, write the music. Adam wrote the music, the one thing that you might know is the music for the ballet Giselle. He was a pretty successful composer, Um, but it was an unusual request for Adam because he was Jewish. But he granted his friend's request and he wrote the beautiful tune that we know today as the melody of A Holy Night. They premiered the song in the church on Christmas Eve. Uh, it was sung by the opera singer Emily Loret. And the French people loved this carol. It really caught on. But a few years later, Mr. Capote embraced socialism and left the church And at the same time, the clergy found out the faith tradition of the composer of the melody. So the song was actually banned from the Catholic Church in France for years. Um, It was forbidden to be sung in church, but guess what? The people sang it in the streets, in the cafes, in their homes. That song had become a part of Christmas, and they were not going to let it go. And a Unitarian minister, an abolitionist, in um, the United States, John Sullivan Dwight, created a singable English translation based on composed text that is the song that we sing today. So it has more verses, and I've, I've, we won't be singing all the verses, but I printed them in your order of service. As an abolitionist, um, Reverend Dwight was moved particularly by the words, Change shall he break for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease." And so it was very popular in the North during the Civil War. It remained banned from the Catholic Church in France until an incident during the Franco-Prussian War. Now you've all heard about the Christmas truce, or a lot of you have probably heard about the Christmas truce of 1914 between the Germans and the British. Well, this was during the Franco-Prussian War in 1870, but the same thing. There was a lull in the fighting around Christmas time. One of the French soldiers soldiers, excuse me, started to sing this song and it inspired the Germans to start singing a hymn by Luther and so they kind of had a song fest back and forth and they honored the complete 24 hour truce for Christmas. This song also carries the distinction of being the second piece of music ever performed on the radio and the first ever to be performed live. On Christmas Eve of 1906, the Canadian inventor Reginald Fessenden read the Christmas story from Luke on the radio, then he played a phonograph record of an aria by Handel, after which he played O Holy Night himself on the violin and sang the last verse. A long, long time ago, more than 2,000 years ago, the Jews had been defeated by a people called the Syrians. And when Antiochus IV became king of Syria, he was angry at the Jewish people for refusing to worship the Greek gods that he worshipped. The Jews believed that they should worship their own god. But Antiochus decided to make the Jews worship his gods. He forbade them to read their holy books, pray to their God, or celebrate their holidays. He even had Greek statues put up in the temple of Jerusalem and ordered the Jews to give up their Sabbath or day of worship. In the village of Modin, the sons of Mattathias began a rebellion up in the hills. Their names were Judah Maccabee, Jonathan, Johanna, Eleazar, and Simon, and they took on the armies of Antiochus at night under cover of darkness. Eventually, Judah Maccabee led them into the holy city. They were heartbroken when they retook the temple and saw how desecrated it was. They started to work on restoring the temple, and on the 25th day of Kislev on the Jewish calendar, they relit the great menorah with a tiny bit of holy oil that had been left there. They needed to find and consecrate more of the oil, but that would take days, and they only had enough oil ready for one day. However, by a miracle, the oil burned for eight days until they could find and sanctify more. And ever since that time, the eight days of Hanukkah have celebrated that great event. On the eight days, Jewish people light candles, sing songs, play games, eat potato latkes and donuts and other foods fried in oil, and give each other gifts. In the season of Advent, the season of waiting, the darkness grows, and the light recedes. The Unitarian Universalist minister, David Rankin, has written, During the Advent season we celebrate the qualities of faith, hope, love, and joy. Yet these must be viewed through the prism of paradox. No faith is worthy without the capacity to doubt all things for then it is only credulity. No hope is possible without the specter of defeat in the wings, for then it is only dreaming. No love is strong without the dread of loss in the heart, for then it is only passion. No joy is complete without the certainty of sorrow in the future, for then it is only frivolity. Thus, it is wrong to mislead people with simplistic notions, for they distract us from the fullness of life. After all, the seas have storms, the clouds have lightning, and roses have thorns, forever. I invite you to join me in the spirit of prayer. Source of all light and of the darkness that gives it birth, may be may we be open to the comforts and the challenges of a life in union with you, that we may find the blessing in both. Just as we strive in the season of preparation, not always successfully, for a balance between the quiet, dark being and the noisy, bright doing, let us seek also in the days ahead the balance between much-needed spiritual nurture and the times that we are called And we will be called to walk it out into the world. We carry this darkness, this light, this waiting for the coming light as we enter the silence.